conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram at Welcome to Geekdom and on Twitter at Geekdom Pod. There are links to those in the show notes. You can also support the show on Patreon, where I will be releasing bonus content for this podcast and my other podcast, Chat Cemetery. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. There are links to all of those things in the show notes, so be sure to do that. It is a huge help for the show, and I really appreciate it. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Justin Richards, and we are going to talk about some comics. Justin, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Glad to be here. How about yourself? I'm always great when I get to talk about comics, so I want to just dive on in and start with your journey into comics, what brought you into the industry? How did you sort of get your foot in the door? I got back into comics. Like I had some some comics growing up, but not much. And I kind of fell off until about 2015, I would say, 2014, maybe. And I just went to my local shop and started checking stuff out and then got asked to be on a podcast. And so got to reading a lot more indie books and that's when I really fell in love was when I found indie you know Image and Dark Horse and IDW and all those even you know Aftershock and of course Vault where I did my first book at which yeah I got there by after reading enough and loving the craft enough I, I made friends with writers and editors and talked about how you know, how to go about getting in or trying to get in and pitch something. And I got super lucky and landed my first pitch. And yeah, the rest was history. With Vault, we did Finger Guns, my first miniseries. Yeah, and I actually read through that today before we hopped on the call here. And one of the themes I've noticed with your work is that you really dive into sort of the mental health aspects, domestic abuse, and things like that. Was that something you knew you always wanted to cover with comics? Because, you know, we have been, as, you know, people in general, talking about mental health more and more, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are the center of attention, like athletes and actors and things like that. So for you, what was it that made you lean in that direction with your comics? It's a really good question. As far as with finger guns, that just kind of happened and it kind of went that way naturally. But I did know that that was the kind of stories that I was always drawn to was ones that had more emotional aspects to them and had layers that you could break apart as far as uh, looking at the psychology and those kinds of things of, of characters. So once I got to recognizing that more, I realized that I was going through those things. And then I really wanted to tell more stories about that and, and highlight mental health and the struggles that we all go through, because I know that trying to suffer through them alone is the worst. And so that's why I did my zine, A Silent Night, last year 
on Kickstarter, which was all about depression and anxiety. I got a bunch of really talented friends to help me do some art for it. It was really great. Yeah. And to quickly dive into finger guns a little more, you know, you mentioned diving into indie comics and that sort of stuff. And I've been doing the same. I have a ton of stuff from Image, which, you know, is like right up there behind DC and Marvel pretty much. But then I've been picking up things from Dark Horse, Boom, Oni, Vault, and these smaller publishers that I think really put an emphasis on letting creators tell their own stories their own way. And obviously, like you said, you still have to pitch it and be accepted and that sort of thing. But I think you just have a much broader range because you aren't tied to this existing IP. And I used to think, oh, everyone just wants to write for Marvel or DC, which sure, I'm guessing there are a lot of people out there on some level. Yeah, who still want to do that. But at the same time, there's so much more opportunity now with Kickstarter and everything. And Finger Guns, I thought it was really clever because you have these two kids who have very different situations at home in Sadie and Wes. And then you have them both having this similar special ability that just really connects the two of them. And I just really loved the whole concept behind that book. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a special book. Um, and yeah, Wes and Sadie are, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for friendship at the end of the day. And so finding friendship in places that you don't expect it and through means that you don't expect and through highs and, and very, very lows, you know, um, so that was something that I definitely wanted to explore with finger guns, focusing on just mostly two characters, especially. Yeah. And then with, you know, your Silent Night comic, that is like the name suggests silent. And that was something that, you know, you'll sometimes see for a few pages in a comic. There are some, but there aren't too many start to finish that are that way. And even though this wasn't like a full length graphic novel or anything what made you take that approach to it honestly that came together like both completely through like a convoluted roller coaster but also very naturally um it took me a couple years to really grasp what i wanted to do with it as a project it started as a five-page short story about my anxiety told through a horror story and I actually, the script has words right, and everything, but once we got to uh, the colors and everything and I was reading those five pages, I thought that they were just as much, if not more powerful as silent pages. And it was a story about being afraid of silence, essentially. Uh, so having it be silent the whole time is like a you know, a fun little wink and a nod on top of itself. And yeah, I just thought that it came out well that way. And then getting the pinups from talented artists just paired with it nicely. And so all I had to write was some fun activities and a personal letter. Yeah. And, you know, you have little bits of prose at the end of that one, which I enjoyed. And I think it's a very clever way to do comics because I think it's 
good to subvert expectations every once in a while. You know, I've been taking Scott Snyder's class, and I've mentioned this a few times now, so apologies to the listeners who have heard this already. But, you know, he did that AD after death comic, which was different than anything else I had been reading at the time. And it's one of those things where you see something like that and you read it and you're like, oh, okay, comics can be so much more than I personally expected. We all go through the same discovery, you know, especially people growing up with mostly the big two, Marvel and DC and superheroes. That's kind of what people tend to think of with comics. And then, you know, once you realize that, oh, there's entire universes and worlds out there that you've never heard of that are some of the best stories you've never read, like Saga and Mm -hmm. Wicked Divine and even things like AD After Death. That was a great series that mixed prose and was, you know, a different, like a magazine-sized format and longer pages. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I remember that one. So yeah, the comics will definitely shock you if you're new to it with with just how much there is and how different it all is as well, how diverse and awesome they are. Absolutely. And I'm a huge horror fan. So I've been slowly dipping my toes into some horror comics. And I really started getting into it when DC did the Hill House comics with Joe Hill. I have read all of those except for Plunge, I want to say. And, you know, I had been familiar with Joe Hill because I have been hosting a Stephen King podcast for the last three years. So I had read (laughs) a little bit of Lock and Key, which, you know, Lock and Key blends the horror and the magical and supernatural and all sorts of things. But when you look at horror comics, you know, Tales from the Crypt and like House of Mysteries and those older comics were sort of the standard, you know, creep show even. And now you Yeah, those DC comics back in the day. Yeah. Now you have things like Something is Killing the Children and a ton of the stuff like that Scott Snyder and James Tynan the fourth are doing is just Yeah. Amazing. Have you read Witches? Scott's Scott's image book, Witches? That's one of my favorite horror series that that was out there. Yeah, and you can do so much with the comic book format. Do you feel like now is really the time for anyone who's wanting to either get into reading comics or get into making comics to just dive in and do it because of how much opportunity is out there and how much diversity is out there now? Absolutely. You can't see it right now, but I am nodding my head along as you speak. Um, Yeah, you're 100% on the mark as far as I'm concerned. There's, as a reader, there's so much. I guarantee you there's a book out there for you, uh, a comic specifically, Um, whether it's horror or romance or, you know, a slice of life, uh, anything, you know, space sci-fi it's all out there in any way that you want you just got to find it and then as a as anybody who's out there you know dreaming of making it you can absolutely do it you can do a web comic and draw one page a week yourself uh or try to do kickstarter like i've done like i did for a silent night and like i'm doing right now for my next book that we'll get to talking about soon yeah and you know 
to just dive in with Kickstarter, this episode will be airing after your Kickstarter has closed, unfortunately, since I have a bit of a backlog to get through. But tell me about why you took the Kickstarter route, how you got that set up, and you know what, what the book is about, too. I guess I just knew enough people that were doing Kickstarters and being successful at it that I saw it as an avenue uh, that I could do. And that's why I tested the waters with a smaller project like A Silent Night, where uh, it was a smaller goal, smaller book, easier to package and ship and figure out things that I don't know how to do for the first time. Um, And then with this one, this was just a special book. Uh, It's called I Only Have Eyes for You. And it's a book that was special to me in that it, it, as soon as I got the idea, I was very excited. Um, and it was like, it's the first story I've ever thought about where I instantly had ideas for multiple volumes, uh, rather than like one whole tale kind of condensed in itself and, you know, a beginning, middle and an end. This one, I was just like, oh, I could do so much with this and I could do this spinoff and this, and then our last volume could be this, you know, that kind of, uh, inspiration came with this project. So it was something that I knew I wanted to do my way and that I wanted to do differently than a lot of other stuff because it is superheroes. And I know that superheroes have been done to death, (laughs) but I like to think that there's still fresh ways of doing it. And so I'd like to prove that by doing my own. And yeah, it's just something that I've been really excited about. And when I talked to Jimmy about it, my artist, Jimmy Kutsai, uh, co-creator on the project, when I talked to him about it, he got equally excited and was just like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, so it's just a project that we knew that we wanted to do our way and we knew that the best way to do that without having to wait uh, for a publisher to not roll their eyes when you say the word original superhero. <laughs> so we just figured we'd do it ourselves and go for it on Kickstarter and do the whole thing. That's great. And I'm sure it certainly feels, you know, a little empowering doing it that way. But, you know, we've seen superheroes work outside of Marvel and DC. And Mark has an entire superhero universe, and it works well. And you have things like Saga that are just not superheroes, but these big, expansive worlds still. And I think people really want that stuff because, you know, you look at Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, for instance, and they do a lot of like crime, noir, Western kind of stuff, and it works for them. You just sort of have to find what that thing is that people want from you. And, you know, you have Invincible by Robert Kirkman, a Again, another big name, so maybe these aren't the best examples, but they weren't always big names. Yeah, no, um, I mean, there's even uh, Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire recently, who's also, you know, a big name, but it's just proof that these concepts can work. You know, anything that can be done by a quote-unquote big name can be done by a small name, because just as you said, all of them were uh, smaller names at some point, or no names. I mean, Robert Kirkman lied his way into The Walking Dead, so... (laughs) While we are not recommending lying necessarily, no, <laughs> there are ways to, you know, have your work come out in different 
formats, you know, like we said with AD After Death, it's not your typical comic book format. And then I haven't read it just yet, but I recently bought Dragon Hoops by Jean Luan Yang. And that one, just the jacket on it is amazing because it feels like a basketball. Like you can get creative with stuff that you might not think matters. But as someone who loves basketball, I was stoked when I picked that up. Nice. Yeah, I love that's the best one of the better parts about Kickstarter is even a book, you know, if you get something to image, like if you're lucky, and it's a really popular book, you can get like a hardback. And that's great. And those are awesome. But yeah, um, a lot of stuff like I, I was just uh, had my eyes on a campaign on Kickstarter that was a book with a full uh, 5e campaign attached full on role playing Dungeons mm. and Dragons style with all the lore and characters and you could buy the miniatures and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, I backed a ton of stuff on Kickstarter the last two years, especially because I knew it was going to be a good way to help creators and you know, I obviously get comics in return, who can complain about that. And I noticed that I was just like, backing a ton of stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is all gonna hit in 30 days. Like, you know, you're gonna get charged for it. And I was like, maybe, maybe I just uh, calm down a little bit here. But you can get lost in Kickstarter, just looking at all the amazing things that people have going on. Absolutely. And I think it is a fantastic, fantastic way for creators to put out the stuff that they want. And while I'm not going to say don't have an editor, I think you will have more flexibility if you, you know, hire someone on a freelance basis or something instead of, you know, working with IP again, like I mentioned earlier, and, you know, having sort of this box that you have to play in, which is still cool, but you know, you might not get to do all the things you want to do. Yeah, I absolutely had a great time uh, doing my book with Vault and working with Adrian Wassel on that as my editor. Um, He made that book as good as it is. Like I made, you know, he and I worked together on that hand in hand. Like I wrote it, but uh, you know, we did, I think the first issue had at least four drafts, if not five yeah. uh, before it was finalized. So um, editors are great and they can be immensely helpful and they deserve all the credit in the world for, for their hard work on some stuff. Like in particular, this one, like I said, I took this to some editors, editors and, you know, once you say original superheroes, most people are, are kind of like, uh, you know, it's, that's not uh, easy to sell or, you know, it's not what we're looking for right now. Those kinds of things. Uh, I got a few of those kinds of responses. And after just a couple, I was like, you know, I just would rather do it myself and just and do it the way I want to do it anyway. So that can be a freeing thing in some ways. Yeah, it certainly can. And if you have a great team by your side, you know, it's like, why not? We'll just go and do this ourselves. And you see a lot of creators doing that now. But Justin, for you right now, what is your favorite thing about indie comics, whether it's completely indie through Kickstarter, creators are pushing it all on their own, or, you know, even like you said, through Vault or boom or some of these smaller quote-unquote indie studios 
Yeah. Um, it's hard not to just cop out and say all of it. <laughs> um, uh, I really do love where comics are going as a whole. I am especially interested in uh, the Kickstarter aspect of things because I, like I said, I had a great time working with Vault. I would work with them again in a heartbeat. Um, I would work with, you know, any, any number of, of these publishers, as long as they're not, uh, you know, pro comic skater or something like that. But anything other than that, I would love to work with publishers, but I also just love seeing the diversity and the opportunity that Kickstarter itself brings where you can have a dream and an idea and a sketch pad and potentially bring it to life that way. If you've got the right hustle and you get the right amount of help and, you know, uh, those kinds of things, you know, you got to do a lot of work, but it's, it's doable. It's achievable in today's world. And I think that's great. Uh, whether it's through web comics or Kickstarter, or even, uh, I know comiXology is doing digital only originals, which I think is pretty cool. So lots of, I, I guess the diversity of, of everything is what I'm the most excited about with indie comics. Yeah, I honestly agree with that so much. And I have a massive to-read stack, both physical and digital, <laughs> because of all Same. those Kickstarters I backed. I was getting physical copies at first, and then I was like, I'm out of shelf space. I think I need to start just, you know, doing the the digital rewards. And then that started backing up. And I've been reading Razor Blades, which is James Tynan IV's, you know, horror comic book magazine and that's another thing yeah i just got the latest the latest issue my friend liana kangas did a story with james in that the it's the very first one in the newest issue it's really good yes and since you brought up liana i will tell everyone that i also did a podcast <laughs> episode with her nice. so go listen to that one as soon as you're done listening to this one but yeah, I've just noticed talking to more and more people who are working in comics that creators feel so empowered right now. And we're seeing that through Kickstarter, through the Substack deals, through all of yeah. these different things, you know, to bring it back to Scott Snyder again for the 800th time here, because I love his work so much. He has a Comixology original deal and he's putting out like, I've lost track of how many titles. Right now, it's a few. There are a few that are coming out right now, but next year is just going to be so many. Yeah, the full announcement was for eight projects, I believe, at once, you know, of what they signed and announced at once. They're, like you said, they're going to come out more serialized, but yeah, eight. Yeah, and I know he had a head start on those and everything, but it just like broke my brain with how busy he must be. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, especially he's teaching that class now. I know he's he's doing less DC work these days, but obviously he's filling it in with other work, and that's great. Good for him. I'm really stoked to see what else he can do. Yeah, because it's not like when he was doing DC stuff, he didn't have any creator-owned stuff. You know, there was still American Vampire in 1976 coming out, which obviously is through DC, but is not like DC continuity. It was Vertigo, I think, for at least for American Vampire. Yeah, and then now it's on whatever the new version of Vertigo is, Black Label, I believe. So he had that going. He did that Witch's Trade and... 
the amount of DC work he did too, I was just like, this is so much. And James Tynan IV is the same way now. You know, he was doing Batman too and is doing so many creator owned things now. And I just really admire people in the comic book industry because it is a grind. I've also had, you know, Shelley Bond on here who was an editor at Vertigo for a while. She's doing amazing projects. Vida Ayala, they're doing a lot of cool things. And I love Vida. They're awesome. Yeah. And I have been fortunate enough to talk to so many people at varying levels, too, that to have this commonality of people are just getting to make things that they really love right now, even if it is, you know, for instance, Vita working on static. And <laughs> there are so many different ways that I think the comics industry is changing right now. Is that something you've noticed, especially, you know, since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, I would say I saw seeds of it starting to happen, you know, well before that. You've got really good, diverse names out there like Vita, Yala. They've been working in this industry for a while now, along with uh, like their close writing partner, uh, Danny. You know, Kwanzaa is out there doing great stuff. And then now we've got more people like Liana and Joe Corallo and uh, Ben Kahn and all kinds of great representation of LGBTQ community as well as other mi minorities, uh, which is just great to see. Um, and it's only become stronger in the last year or so. And now we're getting to see, you know, more trans representation in D.C., bisexual representation in D.C., and I, for one, am all for it. I think it's great. And then uh, it's I think it's um, a lot to do with how we've been saying how free and open the market is elsewhere where you can see how successful these great stories can be with representation. And then it's like, okay, yeah, see, look, it can work for D.C. or Marvel. Like, you're wrong. It can be done. There are audiences for it. Absolutely. And you can even have a much smaller audience, too, if you're doing things like Kickstarter and you're the one, you know, collecting 90% of that money, let's say, after, you know, Kickstarter fees, credit card fees and that fun stuff. And you're getting to pay your team a fair rate. And, you know, that's not to say publishers don't pay fair rates, but I know there have been like royalty issues and stuff recently. And, you oh, yeah. have this ability to thrive off of a smaller audience. You know, you don't need to sell 2 million Batman books to succeed. And I think that is really great because as someone who spends a lot of time creating podcasts <laughs> yeah. for no money, and I'm just talking about mine, I actually get paid to work on podcasts as my day job pretty much. So there is that. But as far as my personal content goes, you know, I'm not making any money. I don't pay guests. Most podcasts don't pay guests. Some podcasts actually charge guests, which that's a whole conversation for another day. But a lot of these things, especially when you're trying to get your foot in the door, they're just a labor of love. And you know, I've been doing YouTube videos as well. And that's like a whole other thing. And just being a creator of any type, there's so much opportunity out there. But that does not mean you don't have to work hard for it. Absolutely. It's definitely a lot of work, but it's there. It 
it could definitely then there's still a lot of issues out there like you said there's stuff with rights and royalties and you know as much as we just had a lovely reflection on some recent examples of representation there's still a long way to go with that uh for you know marginalized people of all uh creeds and colors and and uh, identities so there's still a long way to go but there's a lot of big steps that have been uh, seen in recent times and it's so it's it is an exciting time uh, and yeah I hope more and more people just keep pushing and doing their own thing and, and making their awesome content how they want to do it yeah and that's why I've been having a lot of fun doing these conversations in particular it's not that I don't want to talk about you know Marvel movies and DC movies and that stuff still I will still be doing that but just getting the perspective of creators in especially the comic book industry now that I have like grown so fond of comics it's just nice to see how things are moving along sometimes slower than we would like but still there's been progress lately that I think is a good sign for creators of all kinds and Justin is there anything you have coming up that you would like to discuss as after the Kickstarter, you know, in addition to the Kickstarter? The biggest thing will be the Kickstarter, especially since it seems like it might currently be a, a pretty dead time in the Kickstarter universe. I think holidays are keeping people from from backing stuff because they don't want to see, you know, uh, a $30 charge pop up in the middle of December right before uh, Christmas shopping needs to be finished and those things. And that's perfectly fine so uh keep an eye on that like peek on my stuff and see if we made it or not because if not we are going to relaunch this because this book is going to be made one way or another uh but we'll just do it in march when uh the holiday season is more over and we have more time to make even more rad art to show off for it so uh, i only have eyes for you is definitely going to be a big focus of mine but uh there are other books in the works. I'm speaking with a, an agent currently about uh, an all-ages book that I've been working on for two years, I think, with my good, talented artist friend, Andrea Rosales. Uh, I'm really excited about that one. It's about a girl and her tree friend, and it's really, really sweet and fun, and I can't wait to, to get that one out there. So that's one that's, uh, you know, it's on on the side burner a bit, but it's definitely in the works and I've got quite a few others and hoping to do some license work at some point. Uh, so yeah. Amazing. And are there any comics you've read recently that you would like to recommend the listeners check out? Um, as far as, uh, like, like I am just like you with a very large to read pile. Um, but one that I did read, front to back with almost not putting down was slaughterhouse 55 i read that a few months back um, by ryan north it's a graphic novel adaptation of a book uh, by the same name which was uh, somewhat based on true stories uh, like uh, it was semi-autobiographical but obviously it has uh, supernatural elements uh, it deals with like aliens and stuff and time travel it's pretty it's pretty cool and it's a book that uh, I think you would enjoy it in particular with how you're saying that you like things that play with the format. Like it is just a typical hardback in that sense, but um, they do 
some really cool stuff with like the time travel things and like the how they show like they did a cool timeline like a double page spread timeline of like showing the different points in this guy's life uh and how he experiences them and stuff and yeah it's just a really well done book that i think you would dig how they how they do it i will absolutely put that on my list to check out i can't promise when i will get to it but i will get to it (laughs) and since we brought this one up a couple times here i'm going to go ahead and recommend ad after death you know i have the three books in that physical form that you mentioned they're kind of taller a little wider and they're just so nice to hold. I am a big proponent of physical books. They made like those those particular ones. It was like a recycled paper or something. It has a really nice feel on the covers. I have those as well. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty unique. So I am all for, you know, just fun little things like that that you probably overlook when you're kind of just browsing in a store. But like once you pick up the book, you're like, oh, yes, I need a physical Mm -hmm. copy of this right now. So, (laughs) you know, those are our recommendations. And Justin, any final parting words here? Thank you for having me. And thank you for anybody who listened along. And feel free to follow me on the socials. I'm at Emo Comic Writer pretty much everywhere. And yeah, we'll see you around on the next one. Love that. There will be links to all of those things in the show notes. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.